0: Welcome to this podcast of Sound Off from May 3rd, 2021 with your host Nate Laux. Nate's guest today is a LaPorte County Prosecutor John Lake. Now here's your host Pastor Nate Laux.
1: Today is Monday, May 3rd, and you're listening to Sound Off on 967 The Eagle. Hello friends, my name is Nate Laux, and it's an honor to be your host today. Today's show might feel a little different to you because it is. Instead of picking a topic to discuss, we have a guest on a Monday show. Try not to panic or lose your composure from excitement. I know you are. That's right. A guest on Monday, joining me in the studio is John Lake, Laporte County Prosecuting Attorney. Welcome to the show, John. How are you?
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, good to have you. So, um, you are a nearly 25 year. You have a nearly 25 year career as an attorney. You've kind of been in some other different elements. This is your first go round as the prosecuting attorney, right? Being elected, you've been there for about 2 years now, maybe a little little longer is it? Yeah, I'm in my third year. Yeah. So take me take our listeners through what your
2: office does on, you know, any given day or week. Well, I mean, obviously, we're we're responsible for filing any of the criminal cases that occur. So we will uh, not be investigating those cases, except I do have an investigator that can assist. Uh, but, you know, we get reports uh, of crimes that are sent to our office. Uh, sometimes, you know, things are closed because investigations are closed. And then we will get contacted by victims, and I will then have my investigator or my staff look into those cases. And But we're the ones who will uh, decide whether someone's actions uh, constitute a crime. You know, and we have a, a criminal code that we go by and that's what we judge. There's certain elements. And, and so we, what we do is when we look at a case, uh, we look at the actions uh, that a person does. We don't look at who the person is. We look at what their actions were and whether those actions constitute a crime. And then we will hold them you know, responsible and, and, and uh, our duty uh, as a the prosecuting attorney, your duty is not to win; it's to, to do justice. So, uh, you know, we file cases, uh, but we'll reach you know sometimes plea agreements, or we'll reach uh, you know especially if a person's ever had a, a criminal case before or background. We'll do you know pre-trial diversions uh, and, and really what we're trying to do is that uh when we file the cases instead of instead of making a judgment well we're not going to uh you know file this case for for you know whatever reason based on what the, who the person is uh, we file it based on the actions because what we want to do is give the victim if there's a victim in the case or hold that person accountable that if your actions are violating a criminal code uh, we want to hold you responsible but not so much that we want to send everyone to jail, but we want to basically stop that, that criminal conduct. Uh, and that can be, you know, there's what we call quality of life crimes and, and some, uh, you know, some prosecutors across the country are saying we're not going to prosecute these cases. I, I don't believe in that because I believe that you need to hold people accountable to certain standards that society can work and that everyone can get along. That You, you don't want to be, um, you know, go outside and be accosted by people. People that do have a, uh, you know, First Amendment right to talk or whatever, but they're, if they cross the line, we're going to hold them responsible. And that's, that's kind of what we do so not to get too philosophical but you you said to
1: do justice right so how do you define justice um, as a whole but also is justice
2: punishment is it restorative how do you view justice as a prosecutor well i mean the first thing is the the criminal code in our constitution of indiana uh, is based on rehabilitation Uh, So, you know, there are the way that I judge things is based on whether a person is violent versus nonviolent, a person who is violent, you want to protect society from that person. So if somebody has murdered someone, someone has accosted them, battered them or molested them, we're going to try and hold them to the highest, you know, highest statute that we can and hold them responsible uh, to To the extent, and there's there's a lot of things that go into a a criminal case and what justice is, and and the way I you know define is you have the lady lady justice who balances the she has the sword but she also balances the scales of justice, and it's and it's like you know at what point uh, we don't we don't decide what bail is we don't decide what sentencing our is that's up to a judge uh, to decide, and so we. Uh, basically bring forward these cases and if they're convicted of the crime then you argue your sentence to the judge it was after a jury trial or you reach it kind of reach a plea agreement based on everything else so there's a there's a you know you look at a lot of different things you look at what the person's prior conduct is when you're looking at what a sentence is so if they have a long history uh, and it's a long violent history we want to put that person in prison versus you know try and try and uh, let them out at work release if they've had something where it's an addiction uh you know because there's a lot of different things have to look at this uh in, in my philosophy is you look at it from a holistic view uh that there's a lot of things that are connected and and part of it is why is this person acting out why are they committing crimes is it due to an addiction is it due to because they have some mental health or, or illness uh is it due to just basically they're a bad evil person and there's that that majority of people uh who are evil uh just intrinsically evil is very very limited uh i have met those people because i've been on you know i was the DOC prosecutor. So I had to deal with guys on death row. Um, and so you do have that when people say, Oh, there's not, there's no such thing as evil. I'm like, uh, Yeah, I've met those people, I've looked at them, and you don't know who they are. But normally people that you're meeting in society, it's very, very limited, you're not going to come across a serial killer every day. I mean, it's just not not doesn't happen. And so what we're trying to deal with is that we have, uh, because society has changed, you know, from when when I grew up, and, and from where, where we were, that the family unit has changed the, the whole dynamic of Things has changed. And so you have to look at this from another point of view. Uh, one of the things that when I came in, I wanted to start a mental health court. And and so Mary, uh, my chief of staff, uh, my wife, is she worked with uh, Tom Alavizos, Judge Alavizos, in circuit court, and they started a juvenile w- a wellness court, which is a mental health court, which basically is the first one in, in, of its kind in the state of Indiana. And, and we're trying to address these issues of mental health, you know, because we have people who, who have some issues, try and address them earlier. And then hopefully we're going to be able to then, you know, make this a larger, program and get into a mental health court for for adults because you see that I, I see that i saw that from the doc uh we have a lot of people that don't go to the state hospital the funding is gone for mental health um, and and so that's an issue as well as you know you have the issue with like drug addiction um, and so we we when i came in they had changed the statute in July of 2018 to charge dealers with dealing causing death as a level one or two or three felony, depending on, on what the drug is. And we, I, I said, you know, there are very difficult cases to prosecute, but what I wanted to do was hold dealers accountable uh, that if they're going to sell drugs and someone dies, because there's, there's, and I see it on social media, people want blame to the, blame the people who are addicted or that, you know, it's like, but I'm like, listen, I want to blame that hold the person accountable who's the deal. Who's bringing that stuff into our county and is is going to you know sell it to someone else or give it to deliver it to someone else? Hold them accountable because they should be held accountable to the highest standard, you know. And so you know we've we've charged. We are the first county in Indiana charge that, that dealing causing death. Um, Beth Beckman, my chief deputy, just just uh, tried one of those cases uh, a couple of weeks ago and, and got a conviction on that um, on all the charges. So you know we have. I can sit here and talk about it, you know, you open this up for me, but I don't want to do that. I want to give you the opportunity to ask me some questions. So
1: Yeah, we, and I do have a lot of questions, yeah. lots of inter- interesting things to talk about, uh, justice system, incarceration, yeah. these kind of things. But we're going to take a break, and if you have a question, I'd love to hear your question or comment for uh, Prosecutor John Lake. You can make your voice heard by calling or texting me at 209-362-0522. If you'd like me to ask the question, just text it. I'll, I'll ask or, or give the comment. Um, but you're free to call as well, or you can email the studio at soundoff at 967theagle.com. The phone lines are open. I'd love to have you call or text if you have a question. We're going to take a real quick brief break here on SoundOff. Keep listening to 967 The Eagle. All right, friends, welcome back. You are listening to Sound Off on 967 The Eagle, and I'm your host, Nate Laux. And we have with us today the prosecuting attorney of the great county of LaPort with us, John Lake. The phone lines are open 219 362 0522. You can call or text or email me at soundoff at 967theeagle.com. We have a caller. Let's get to them real quick. Hello, you're on the show. How are you? Welcome to Sound Off. Fine, sir, how are you today? I'm doing great. I wish the rain would kind of go away, but I'm sure farmers love it right now. But uh... We need it. We need a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So what's your comment uh, or Mr. question, Lake, bud?
3: Mr. Lake, thank you for coming on to answer our questions. Um, you and your staff are doing an outstanding job. Thank you. My, my question, it kind of has two things here. It deals with the legalization of marijuana for recreational use. As a business owner trying to find people to even apply for a job, I've been told by my insurance company that I can't put them in my trucks or my tractors on the road or anything knowing that they're smoking pot regularly. And on the other end of it, the revenue stream they keep talking about. Mm -hmm. What good does it do to bring in more money when you can't use it to help ease the burden on the taxpayers already when your office, the police... The criminal justice system, the uh, jails are going to be taking that extra money to handle all these problems. So I guess, what's your take on legalization of recreational marijuana? Thank you.
2: Thanks for calling thank you for the question um obviously i leave that up to the legislature uh to decide what you know what is legal and what is not um there there are issues that i see one of the biggest concerns about legalization was you know we have the edible aspect uh the the candies um and you know in colorado there there were overdoses of those when kids get you know because they look like regular candy and i and i put out posts uh around halloween just to remind people and, and we had stopped some people with that um But I I understand exactly what you're saying from a business standpoint. Is that you know, from a liability standpoint, insurance companies are going to be upset if you have legalization. I would assume that that's that's the unintended cost uh, product to a to a business. And then you have the revenue streams where that that based on the federal government that these uh, marijuana they have a major problem because they can't use banking. Banking will not Mm -hmm. you know. uh, So it's a cash, and so it brings all kinds of different issues with it. I'll leave the you know as long as it's a a crime, we're going to have to enforce it. But one. One of the biggest misnomers is that um, I think I, I did. You know, when people say that there's people that are put in prison as a result of, of you know marijuana possession, that's not really that does not happen. Um, level six felonies, like a dealing in, in marijuana, I mean, you can have up to ten pounds. I think it's nine point nine nine pounds is a B misdemeanor, which is only punishable by one hundred and eighty days in jail. So I, I find it very you know that's that argument. Oh, you're going to be putting these people in in prison? No, because level six felonies and below are only go to the jail. So it really has put a burden when. They, when they shifted that that level six felony uh, and put that on the on the county puts that in jail we don't really have that many people i think the you know the, the possession of marijuana it's something we look at as one of these quality of life issues unless of course uh, i have had to charge people who have had thc in their system where they caused an accident and killed someone uh, and that becomes a level four felony so as a result it's the same thing of somebody drinking alcohol if it's causing impairment it's a concern it's a concern to me and it should be a concern to the and and frankly one of the biggest issues that i see uh and something i've been discussing with uh, the sheriff's department and others is the speeding that's going on in our county uh we have too many people we've had a fatality we're just going to be charging another one here reckless homicide where somebody didn't have any alcohol or or uh uh you know drugs in their system uh but we're driving recklessly at, a, at an excessive rate of speed that caused a head-on collision so it, it, it's a concern <laughs> All right, you're listening to Sound Off. We've got John Lake on the
1: show today. Let's get to another com- uh, another caller. Hello, you're listening to Sound Off. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hello. Hi, what's your comment or question?
3: Uh, I just got a question from the, the attorney. My name is, uh, from the prosecuting attorney, my name is Rodney McCormick. And I just wanted to know, what are you, what is the prosecutor's office doing anything to help the Michigan City Police Department um Put an end to this violence in our community, and and specifically, what I'm asking is, are you training the officers, or making sure that they're not doing illegal stops of people just because of their skin color? Mm.
2: Yeah, yeah uh, Prosecutor uh, Lake, what do you say to that? Uh, thanks for the uh, conversation, uh, Mr. McCormick, and Mr. McCormick has contacted our office before about you know he's been very concerned about the um, the different. Uh, Sorry, I got state police calling me. <laughs> um, uh, I got to turn that off. Uh, the uh, and, and part of the issue what you're talking about is racial profiling. That's not something that's acceptable to me. Uh, you don't just stop someone based on their their color of their skin, um, but. Here's the thing: uh, when when stops are done uh, to commit an infraction, uh, if somebody commits an infraction, whether they're driving one mile over the speed limit, whether they're failing to do a t- turn signal, you know, any of those things that are that it would can be considered a, a, an infraction, um, and they're stopping them, uh, then that would be considered to be a valid stop, regardless of what the the color of their skin is. And then if they do a free air sniff around the car with a dog that's within the time limit, you know, you can you have about a fifteen minute window to run a dog around. The it's a free air sniff if that that dog then gets a a positive hit for whatever whether it's marijuana cocaine whatever the drug might be in the car if they hit on it then you can do a search so you know we are we are trying that is something that you know we look at all these cases uh we look at the police reports and if a case comes in i can assure you that we don't believe there's probable cause for the stop uh we don't file those uh but we have to we want to make sure that that officer can articulate what the probable cause was for their stop whether they had it for an infraction and what that infraction was we're not gonna we're not going to accept uh, racial profiling in our community Mm
1: -hmm.
2: all right oops sorry Rodney I didn't thought you were done there so
1: prosecutors are powerful actors in the American criminal justice system again you have quite a bit of discretion uh, over sentencing and plea bargains and what you're going to you know request and things like this with the judge so while you're focused on local criminal justice cases and issues you're also a part of a larger criminal justice conversation going on nationally uh kind of as our our last caller indicated i'm interested in talking about mass incarceration a little bit american america incarcerates more people per capita than el salvador russia china australia germany india these kind of countries we have millions of people behind bars in america so what are we missing are are these other countries perhaps not incarcerating enough are we over incarcerating why are our
2: rates so high and what can we do to get them lower well that's, that's an interesting issue and and what i can say is that one of the one of the issues i think for the higher incarceration rates was the uh, the war on drugs. You know we're putting people away for not for nonviolent crimes for long periods, uh, significant sentences. And and what we've done and what I've done throughout my career is always look at a person's why, what the crime is was it violent versus nonviolent. If a person is a is a violent, um, like I said, if they've battered someone, they shot someone, they've killed someone, uh, or molested them, laid hands on them, it, it, as my mother-in-law would say, is if you lay hands on a child, you know we're going to hold you accountable. So I think so I think from the biggest standpoint is the the drug uh, convictions that are dealing with that incarceration because then that person then has you know one two three four or more uh, felony convictions and then that leads to a longer sentence. What we try and do is we try and look at you know within our our, our cases that I can only deal with um, locally are what was the crime and and what is fair. Uh, and, and what is a, you know, sometimes we, we, we always seek the input of, of a victim or a survivor. Uh, sometimes they don't want them to go to prison. Um, and you'll see some of these in, via plea agreements, you know, on, on childless cases or other uh, sexual assault cases where the, where the survivor... Uh, does not want that person, or does not want to testify, or we have to make certain decisions that that are based on the evidence that we don't want to re-traumatize mm-hmm. this survivor. And it's it's significant because you know we don't want to we don't want to just take a case and I can just step aside here for a second to talk about our sexual assault response team. You know we, we formed a regional uh, team with Stark County, and and part of that is uh, what we're trying to do is have an outreach. Eighty uh, percent of women don't come forward, or men uh, who've been sexually assaulted don't come forward. Because because the criminal justice system can be so harsh uh, towards them as well as as, as to someone else, and, and so what we try to do is we're trying to reach those people and get them counseling because it affects their everyday life. Uh, but getting back to your your question about mass incarceration, you know, we try and we try and um, you know, I think a lot of that comes from your larger cities when you basically have the the numbers. And you look at that, our county, we're, we're very. Uh, cognizant of what we're doing yeah you know, we, we may be charging cases based appropriately on on the felonies and that but um, what we're trying to do is is make sure that when we're sentencing it's 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 a a um, The same whether, you know, and and what, you know, tying into what Rodney was talking about just briefly about the racial aspect of we want sentences to be consistent um, among across the, you know, that you can look and say doesn't matter whether it's a man or a woman or a a, a black, you know, brown or or white person that they're all going to be sentenced appropriately. If it's an argued sentencing, I can't control it. If it's a plea agreement, we want to make sure our pleas are consistent across that whole line. For all the things that you can control, obviously. All right, let's
1: get to another caller here. Hello, you're on SoundOff. How are you? You got John Lake on the uh, show. What's your question or comment?
0: Yeah, I'm calling about the uh, banks not being able to use, the, or the disp- dispensaries not being able to use the banks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I did a little research while you guys were talking, and they are allowed to use them. All they have to do is file a suspicious activity. Most banks that work with dispensaries are small banks, and credit unions are they taking a chance they are from what i read but all they have to do is label it suspicious activity and seeing since local or state and local businesses have agreed to say illinois or michigan legalize it they're not going to go after any of those banks or credit unions it's legal and the revenue that indiana is giving up per year is absolutely ridiculous just over Marijuana, which I would have to say 80% of Laporte smokes. And if you can't find a job,
1: learn how to pass a drug test. Mm-hmm. Bye. Yeah, t- thanks for calling. Um, uh, again, I, I know one of the issues for marijuana, anyway, for the legalization of marijuana, is this weird. In-between place that we're in, where some states obviously have legalized it, but it's not legal on the federal um, on on the federal level. And so, if you are a federally insured bank, yeah, you cannot um again the government will not allow that so you're right there might be some non-federally insured banks that can get around that kind of thing but obviously the major banks are federally insured you want your money oftentimes in a federally insured bank that way you know you don't have like a it's a wonderful life situation happening um but again it's it's a conversation and uh... i I think it's one that's going to continue going on especially as neighboring states many of them continue to have some kind of form of legalization whether medical exemption or otherwise but we're going to take a really quick break here. It's our second break of the day, our final break to get back to our, our show here. We've got John Lake on the show, the LaPorte County prosecuting attorney. If you have a question or comment, you can call or text us at 219-362-0522 or email the studio at soundoff at 967theeagle.com. I'd love to ask him any questions you have. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Keep it right here on 967 The Eagle. Welcome back, friends. You are listening to Sound Off. My name is Nate Laubs. If you have a question or a comment for our guest today, prosecuting attorney of LaPorte County, John Lake, you can call or text me at 209 362 0522. Let's get to another caller. Hello, you're on Sound Off. How are you? Welcome to the show.
3: Hi, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks for calling. What's your question or comment?
3: Well, my comment would be. My suggestion, when we look at things like overcrowding of jails and we look at what our tax dollars and everything are being spent on, and I've had this opinion for quite some time, um, why is it that we're allowing these murderers and child rapists and all this just to sit on death row and we, as taxpayers, pay for them to eat, live, and sleep? They get better medical care than the average American does. It's ridiculous. These animals need to be put to death. And they need to quit sponging off the taxpayers of this society and you prosecutors out there need to push for the death penalty all right we well, need to bring that back and you will watch the murder rates drop in this
1: country all right well thanks for Thank calling you. yeah so what is your opinion on on the death penalty and also just does it deter crime as some people
2: you know think it will well well okay that's a lo- there's a long yeah. question and and here's the issue is that it is it is legal in indiana uh, it's not as pursued as much as it used to be because of the of the money issues um, you are required when you have a death penalty case to have two defense counsel who are death, qua- quote, death qualified and um, these cases become, uh, my, my sister was a prosecutor in Lake County did death penalty cases for the state and then she became a public defender and did death penalty cases for the defense and she's the only person I know that has done both sides um, she's now a judge up in Minnesota but it's something that we uh, we look at if you have a case that qualifies for the death penalty. Because first of all, you can't every every murder case does not qualify for the death penalty. You have to have certain requirements that that meet that that raise it to the level of a death penalty case. And then you have to look at it from the standpoint of is this a proper death penalty case? Um, and we've had you know right now we're considering a, a you know filing a death penalty case here from the from the prison, uh, you know the death of the guard. And that's one of those issues where um, I would lean towards the side of filing for the death penalty because how do you protect other you you have a duty uh, the state has a duty to protect, you know, if you go in there um, and you're sentenced to prison for, let's say, oh, let, let's say, you know, we'll, we'll use the thing of possession of marijuana, which it's not going to happen, but I'm just saying, let's just say that. The state has a duty to protect you inside, even though you're a felon uh, or you're, a, uh, you know, whatever, a, a person that's been convicted and sent to prison, they still have to protect you from other prisoners. And so so if, uh, if a prisoner is just willing to, to kill not only guards but other other inmates, you have a duty to protect them uh, to as, as, as much of an extent. And the only way you can do that sometimes is filing death and putting them on death row. The problem with with death row right now is that we've had an issue with the chemicals that are available. Uh, there's been the they don't have the right chemicals. There's some issue with that. They you know uh, and so th- there's been a um, kind of a moratorium on some of them because they don't have the the supply of what they need to actually do it. There's three different chemicals they have to use, and one of those I think has not been produced lately. So. um it's an issue, and and I, you know, to the to the, to the extent that I, I agree with him that people who are going to be harming other people and continuously do it, I think you have to you have a duty to protect people from them. All right, let's get to another caller.
1: Hello, you're on sandoff Oh, oh hey, okay. up. Hello, you're on Sandoff How are you? Well,
3: hello, Nate.
1: I'm good. Good to see you, man. What's your question for? Uh, uh, good to hear from you. Uh, what's your question for? Uh, Prosecuting Attorney John Lake.
3: Yes, Mr. Lake. Uh, I worked. Uh, in a criminal justice system for a lot of years myself and I'm in agreement with you on uh, death row. I never knew uh, people could be inherently evil until I worked at a unit uh, but I've seen it also. But my question is didn't they pass a law at one time in reference to the death penalty and the murder of a correctional employee? I thought that that was in had been legislated in the past, and I'm, I, don't know that it was, but I thought that was passed some years back.
2: it, it, it is. It's one. That's one of the requirements that you will uh, a, either a law enforcement officer or a correctional fa- uh, facility officer that qualifies if you murder them uh, for the death penalty. Um, so, but it, but then again, you know, you, you're looking at a lot of different issues. So I'm saying that is that is a requirement that you have to have certain certain. Um, uh, pre prerequisites to meet, you know, more than one murder, or and this person would have met it on on several different levels because uh, when we're looking, at it, I don't want to discuss the case too much because it's a death penalty case, and and just you don't want to ever compromise on that. But let's just say if a person is in in prison and has murdered someone else and then murders a correctional facility, that would qualify for the death penalty. So you've had a busy two over.
1: You're into your third year now. What kind of reforms are you still wanting to make in the prosecutor's office
2: in the criminal justice arena in Laporte County? Well, we're still working on on evening out and making sure that we're prosecuting cases, so that I mean, you you, you see that on the national level uh, from the George Floyd uh, you know trial and and just questions about systemic racism, those type of things. So those are issues that, that you know, I've kind of tasked Mary with a lot of the, these issues, the outreach from our office. Um, we field a lot of uh, complaints. You know, I deal with the NAACP. Mr. McCormick contacts our office, uh, other members of the black community or other communities, you know, that feel like they're um, being discriminated against. You know, they contact us. We look into cases. We review those things. I, I review those cases personally. Uh, we've tried to, you know, we, we have more, much broader outreach as the Child Fatality Review Team, I, I got up and running again, and that's been something that we've been working on. Uh, the the uh, regional SART team, our Sexual Assault Response Team, is something we've been working on. Um, the Juvenile Wellness Health, uh, you know, Mental Health Court uh, is what I'll call it, but it's Juvenile Wellness Court. Uh, that's another thing. So those are all you know, Juvenile Justice JDAI. Mary Mary's been working on that a, a great deal, so that we 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 are trying to uh, divert people from going into the criminal justice system uh, and and trying not to. To have them uh, arrested, to try and do other forms of of um, dealing with situations, so we don't escalate. And and those are the things. And we and and as far as training, we do do training. Obviously, the last year has been a little bit weird with the pandemic. You know, we're one year in uh, on the on the pandemic, and that has changed how we're dealing with things because uh, you can't have in-person training, so you have to go to Zoom and and a lot of that. Uh, but that's one of the reasons why I brought in uh, Tony McClintock to my office as an investigator because he has so much experience. And he reaches out. You know, I'll ask him to reach out to different officers, uh, different different departments to offer training and, and that type of thing.
1: So uh, I'll end with this question: What frustrates you about the American criminal justice system as somebody that's been in it for so long? Well, what what really? I mean, obviously you are committed to it. You're committed to hopefully making it better as a a person in there. Well, what about it though?
2: Frustrates you? Well, I think the frustration is that people, uh, the biggest frustration is people don't understand it to the extent, and, or they think they do. Um, and they'll read something on social media and they'll leap to a certain extent. There are certain things that our office can and cannot do. We don't control bail. Uh, we can argue for it, but ultimately that's a judge's decision. Um, another thing, if if a plea agreement is an argued plea uh, or there, it's after a jury trial. We don't sentence. That's we argue for sentencing, uh, but we, that's again the judge's discretion. Uh, we don't arrest people. Um, so when when people are arrested uh, and we you know, the biggest frustration I think is sharing of information. People don't realize it's not like you, you know, we were talking beforehand. There's not an instant database that I can go to and say, see every arrest. I can, I can see arrests, but I'm piecemealing it together, uh, from all the different departments I deal with. And, and there's quite a bit. Uh, so we're trying to streamline that. We're trying to, trying to, um, share information more. We've built on that. I've been, I've been working on the tech, you know, this is not stuff that I talk about, but it's stuff that I work with. Uh, we're going to be having a, a shared drive with, uh seven six or seven of the different law enforcement agencies in uh the county where they can just share immediately all their body cams all that by just sharing a a file to a share drive with our office that's something that that i've been trying to get done and it's been frustrating from the technology uh, standpoint but we're about we're about there within the next month it it should be up and running i believe uh, is what they're telling me and so that will be really something that'll be great to to transfer. But I think, you know, some of the things, the transparency we really work on uh, and just trying to be transparent with that, that, you know, I think people are quick and, and I can't blame people for having that opinion. Sometimes it jump to the worst conclusion. And, and so, but sometimes it's just like, listen, give us the opportunity, you know, contact my office. We'll look into things. Things sometimes take time to investigate and, and it's not, and it's not, because we want to make sure that we get it right. Uh, when we charge somebody, we're making sure that we get it right, that we have probable cause, and we're charging the cases appropriately. Uh, we don't want to jump, do a rush to judgment. I, I never want to be, do a rush to judgment and make a judgment on a case because it's a per, who the person is. And when you, that's when mistakes are made, I think, in the, in the criminal justice system, when people make rush to judgment and they, they just decide this person is guilty and forget and they don't follow the evidence. If you just follow the evidence, then you're okay.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to the show today. I want to thank my guest, John Lake. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. I know I learned some things. Hopefully, our listeners did as well. Thank you so much for answering my questions and our caller's questions. Sound off is a community conversation program that airs twice each week right here on 96.7 The Eagle. You can listen online to our stream or download our mobile app as well. Today's show has been produced by the incredibly talented Dennis Sedel and edited by Jeff Wugazer. I'm your host, Nate Lauchs. We'll be back again on Friday talking about COVID-19 with Dr. Vidya Kora. But until then, Rusty Man is on next. Be good to yourself and to others and keep listening to 967 The Eagle. Thank you for joining us and voicing your opinion on this edition of Sound Off. The views on Sound Off are those of the host or callers and do not represent the opinion of 967 The Eagle, Spoon River Media LLC, or the sponsors. Sound Off airs every Monday and Friday at 12:30. Please mark your calendar and join us again for the next edition of Sound Off on 967 The Eagle.
0: Thank you for listening to the Sound Off podcast at 967theeagle.com.